think the first reference that we're going to look at is in Exodus. In fact, it is Exodus 34. Right, where we're going to go tonight, Lisa. Of course, I normally try to look at the clock and try to wind down around 8:30. Um, there's a lot uh, as we're getting into the next major point. Some of this is difficult to wrap your mind around, but we're, we're not to the major point yet. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, but uh, the major point we're going to get to is the counsel of God and uh, the predeterminate in his mind and the eternal, the eternal mind of God and trying to us as the as finite and he knows you know the end from the beginning the beginning from the end and and sometimes he you know and we will see here in a little bit because we're going to still do mercy and grace uh at the beginning of tonight's lesson but uh we'll see in a little bit that um you know in god's mind sometimes he actually directs certain events in men's affairs to you know uh and then uh to get the outcome um, but he already knew, you know, again, no one from, and then in other times he just allows our men's free moral agent to affect the, the life's events, but he already still knows how it's all going to come out. <laughs> and he knew it before man or anything else was ever made. And that's where it's just hard to, hard to get a hold of sometimes. But anyway, we're, we're, we last time two weeks ago, I guess it was now. Um, you know, we was looking at the the parallels there between law and grace, and the grace of God. And of course, we dealt with the mercy of God um, before that. And mercy has a tendency to be kind of in the negative uh, light, and grace in the positive. Um, we're going to look at, uh, and then of course we've seen law and grace in that, and then we left with the doctrinal statement. Two weeks ago, the, the Bible teaches that God's salvation work for us, in us, and through us is by grace. Uh, it is begun in grace. It is continued by grace and completed through grace. Hallelujah. Amen. And what a blessing that that is. All right. So, uh, again, uh, still with the theme of God's mercy and grace. And, of course, that fell under the, the big uh, outline, or I say the big outline. Uh, we're still, that was still under his attributes, um, but uh, under the outline of, uh, let's see here, uh, the love of God, under the love of God, including mercy and grace. And so we're continuing that. Uh, it's correlated manifestation. So let's see, this is under the grace of God. So the correlated manifestation of God's mercy and grace. The way to heaven, this is Mr. Top Lady said, the way to heaven lies not over a toll bridge, but over a free bridge. Even the unmerited grace of God in Christ Jesus. Grace finds us beggars and always leaves us debtors. <laughs> so, and uh, appreciate that. So anyway, so we got four points under here. Grace pardon. I'm sorry, mercy pardons, grace justifies. Mercy pardons and grace justifies. In 1 Timothy 
well, this is the C further, uh, or the C also. But let me read 1 Timothy 1, 13, and we'll go to Exodus 34. 1 Timothy 1, 13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And he's talking about himself. Paul talking to Timothy there. Uh, said he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious, but he obtained mercy because he did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Now, Exodus chapter 34, and again, so we're looking at mercy and its uh, pardon, and then we'll look at grace and its justification. So this is another part about uh, mercy's pardon. In Exodus 34, verse number 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that, that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation so again mercy pardons and we see that there um forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin so mercy pardons but grace justifies grace justifies romans chapter three of course we've been in romans here lately in our sunday school efforts but romans chapter three and Verse 24, being justified freely. Let's back up. Let's get to the front of the sentence. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare the righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Wow, what a sentence. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be the just, or He might be just, and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. But again, the, the reference is, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So mercy pardons, grace justifies. All right, secondly, uh, mercy removes the guilt and penalty. That's part of a pardon. And grace imputes righteousness. So mercy removes and great impu grace imputes. Um, let's, while we're here, let's look at grace since we're right here and we won't have to turn back. We're going to go, we'll look at grace first and then back to mercy. But uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse number 5. Romans 4, 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Again, grace justifies mercy pardons. And to see the mercy, the pardoning Mercy, we're going to Proverbs 28. Proverbs.
Proverbs 28, verse number 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. I'll say it again. So mercy removes the guilt and penalty, and grace imputes righteousness. Now, thirdly, mercy saves from peril. Grace imparts a new nature. All right, so we're back here in Proverbs. Let's go back to Psalms. Psalm 6. Psalm 6, verse number 4. Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. Again, mercy mercy saves from peril. So save me for thy mercy's sake. And then grace imparts a new nature. Ephesians chapter 2. And and we, and this really makes a whole lot of sense. And in, in looking at the old covenant <laughs> and the way that God dealt with men in the Old Testament, not under grace, under the law, under mercy, as we see also oftentimes in the Old Testament. But they didn't have that new nature. They didn't have that that internal the internal dwelling of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct them. As we do, and so that you know, when brother, when brother Glenn and and I've heard of other preachers too, but brother Glenn recently in the Sunday school hour said, "Look, I can go out and I can have all the alcohol that I want to, that I want. I just don't want it anymore. Why? Because of this imparted new nature that we have." And in, in, in Ephesians chapter two, and of course we know the the scripture here, uh, eight, nine, and ten. Of course, we're trying to get to ten uh, here in this particular. Uh, passage for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast here's here's the new nature verse number 10 for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works uh, which God hath before ordained them that should walk in them so we're created unto good works in Christ Jesus all right, and his workmanship created unto good works, and we should walk in them. Of course, we know the other scripture uh, about being a new, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, and that's the way that our, our, our new, we have a new nature imparted uh, unto us through grace. It imparts a new nature. Um, then fourthly, mercy rescues its object. Grace transforms him. Mercy rescues its object. Grace transforms him. Luke chapter 10. We'll see the mercy part of it. Mercy and grace. Surely goodness and mercy. Uh, Luke 10. All right, Luke 10, 33, and then we'll just, well, we could jump to 37. Let's just read 33 through 37. Uh, 
But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of the which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. And then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. And so again, mercy rescues its object. Mercy rescues its object. So uh, we see that mercy there, uh, the one that he had showed mercy, and then we're commanded by Jesus to go. And do likewise to rescue folks, to rescue the object. But grace transforms him. And Titus chapter 2. Almost there. Titus 2. By turning myself <laughs> then. I get there about the same time you do, hopefully. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Here's the transformation part. Teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify. There's that, uh, that transformation again. Purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So grace, uh, what I say? I mean, mercy rescues and grace transforms. And then we can see also, listen, might as well see also in Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 22 and 23. And be, re, and be, back up to the sentence. Well, we can grab the sentence. Verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and uh, is it true holiness there. So again, that's that transformation of grace. Now here's the doctrinal statement along those lines. Now this we're going to get into this other. I don't know how much we'll get into, but we'll, we'll like I said, I'm going to have to read several times to, to get over this. Hunt. But here's the doctrinal statement on the mercy and grace. Mercy and grace have their manifestation in connection with the believer's salvation, those of mercy being largely negative, while those of grace are positive. So mercy and grace. All right. Now, we're going all the way back to the great big, uh, the very first part of the outlines, the verse, verse points. So under this whole theology thing, the most, the, the most we've spent on is the second point so far. But the first A was the fact of God. 
the fact of God. B was the nature of God, and we have spent the, you know, the whole bunch on just the nature of God. And now we're getting into the counsel of God. This is C, and I'm just telling you. You have to, I have to read it and read it again and read it again just to make sure I think, you know, I understand it. And I still don't understand it because, again, we're getting into God's thinking and his ways are not our ways. He's, he's so much far above anything that we are. And so, obviously, men have contemplated what we know about the God's counsel, and God has included his counsel in the word, uh, you know, let us make man in our image. That was a counsel of God. He, he within himself counseled <laughs> in, the tri, in the triunity, in the trinity, we, let, uh, that we, uh, let us, uh, let us make man in our image. So... A foreordained counsel of God. It was foreordained counsel of God that that he would come, you know, that there would be a lamb slain before the beginning of the world. So he already knew how he was going to take care of sin. But for us to, you know, so the, so we, we have examples of God God's counsel within himself have examples, and, and there's men that's contemplated it, but it's still really deep. It's <laughs> so, so put on your life vest. We're getting ready to get out in the deep <laughs> and jump in here. And like I said, uh, you know, I'm just... So the counsel of God, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. He's sovereign, and it speaks to the sovereignty of God. And, 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 and in this, you know, there are statements, and I don't believe Mr. Bancroft was a Calvinist because of, you know, certain things that he does say that would kind of speak against that. But, you know, when we look at this, you can kind of, and I'm not saying that they're right, but you can see where they go wrong. Yes, yes. Well, the way I like to look at it this way is, <laughs> is there's Baptist doctrine, and Calvinists took it the wrong way. Because Baptist doctrine is Bible doctrine, and it is Bible doctrine, but the Calvinists took it too far. Yeah, and that's, that was where the problem, you know, the problem lay, is they took what, you know, these biblical principles, and we can see this. You have to leave it here, and you can't, yeah, you, you can you can understand that it was God was within Himself saw, made sovereign decisions, but where they go wrong is they try to get in God's mind, <laughs> and you can't do. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. Right. Right. And he can do what he wants to. And he and he knew it all at the end, you know all before he ever made it how it was all going to turn out in every part of our lives. Now where the where the fatalists the ones that say well we don't have to I was thinking about this as I was studying I was thinking 
you know, the fatalistic people are like, well, we don't have to evangelize. We don't have to send, we don't have to send missionaries. We don't have to send missionaries over to evangelize the lost world because if they're going to get in, they're going to get in regardless of if it's just going to happen. That, but but there, there again, that's, that's the wrong way of thinking. Because you're going to see here in a minute, again, as I've, I've touched on it a little bit, is, is God does sometimes do some things himself to steer men's, men and, and, and peoples in, in a certain direction. And other times he just lets the, the, the interaction of mankind steer life's events. But, but see, he already knows how it's going to end. There's where that's you know he already knows all about how it's going to end, and so he's already sees it all and sees it all working. But um, but uh, yeah, oh, but that's what I was going to get to in salvation. You know, I don't know who who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. Who's going to who's going to accept the gospel and who's not going to accept the gospel? Who's going to reject it? My job is to preach the gospel. You know, who knows that God knows that whether I am going to be an instrument in somebody's salvation as far as a witness, a testimony, a message, or not. So my job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And just leave it at that. He knows who's going to accept it and who's not. Like my job, again, going to the, the, the parable of the sower, again, it's not, it's not planting like you would a roll of corn. It's broadcasting the seed like you would grass seed. My job is just to broadcast the seed. He knows where it's going to land on stony ground, where it's going to land on good ground. My job is just to broadcast the seed. And so many times people will, you know, they, they, they get beyond that. You know, and like I said, and there's some tough, there's some hard things in the Word of God. But you know, if they accept you, wonderful. If they reject you, dust your feet and go on down the road to somebody that will accept you and the message. And that is difficult for a lot of people. But he gave his disciples that. Yes, sir. Right. Oh, yes. See, I mean, who does he harden? Right. Well, he hardened who he will, but <laughs> he let me hear it many times bring it on to the bank. Right. And you give your testimony to that. Yes, sir. Praise God. Amen. It wasn't a one-time deal. Amen. And he was a good judge to cut us off. That's right. After one time. That's right. Boy, that's a great <laughs> mercy. Amen. 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 Yes, he will. And he, he 
right? <laughs> and that's and when people and when people that are saved get a hold of this, then then you know, like you, praise God because you realize he, like we mentioned on Sunday, he could have walked on by <laughs> when I said. The, talked about that song her sister Debbie said you know he could you know and just getting a hold of that and the fact that he stopped hallelujah and he 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 bid you come you know call him over here to me and then he asked what would he and he goes that I may receive my sight you know so he had that interaction with blind Bartimaeus and so he stopped he bid you come and then your faith you know because most of the time and, and I, I pointed that out in some of my messages there. It was, it was their faith. You know, he, he presented the opportunity, but it was their faith that made them whole. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, anyway. So there is our faith that's involved um, in it as well. So the counsel of God is the eternal scheme of all things adopted by the divine mind, which embraces all his original designs, including everything in the creative and redemptive program of God and involving or embracing the free actions of men. It's like, huh? <laughs> That's what I said. I said, let me read that again. <laughs> okay. The, the counsel of God. is that eternal scheme of all things adopted by the divine mind. It's just like somebody uh, just now, they said they found a new black hole out there and somewhere in the universe, and they said it's unlike any of the ones, other ones they found. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so... You know, and then you look at all things, you know, that's out there. So the counsel of God is that eternal scheme of all things adopted by the divine mind, which embraces all his original designs, including everything in, cre in the creative and redemptive program of God involving or embracing the free actions of men. So in creation when he decided to make an ant the way he made the ant and he decided to make a you know grass the way he made the grass and the oak tree the way he made the oak tree and the moth and me and you and everything else and all the blood vessels within our just the systems within within us the digestive system you know the circulatory system all the diff the nervous system just is amazing how it all works together you know, and so we have the, cre you know, in creation, uh, but then he also, in, in his, as he mentioned, the redemption. You know, when we talk, when preachers talk about the word of God, we, again, we establish that in bibliology, how that these 66 books, you know, God used men, and, and, he, and, and they were moved, uh, you know, they, they, they penned it as they were moved by the Spirit. They penned these words, and it was over centuries, uh, written over centuries of time and how it just kind of folds in together like it does. And, and, me, and preachers can get up and men can study and they can find that the, the trail of blood, that the, 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 uh, 
the thread of redemption, the scarlet thread of redemption throughout the scriptures, starting in Genesis all the way to the cross. You see the blood. And the redemption, so redemption was pointed, you know, the cross was pointed to even in the, the sacrifice of whatever animal that God killed to wrap or make coats and put on Adam and Eve. Pointed to redemption. Pointed to Christ dying on the cross. And when, and when he told Eve that out of her loins that, that redemption was going to be coming, you know, it was all there. And so, so as you, as you read the accounts, I'm very careful not to say stories, especially for the young people's sake, you know. There's a story about Jack and the Beanstalk. There's a story about, you know, uh, Goldilocks and three bears. The accounts in the Bible are real. You know, we have a Bible storybook. In fact, we, we going through my mom's effects, grandmother's effects, I found the Bible storybook that my grandmother would read to me, and I've got it over there somewhere. But here in the Word of God, these are true accounts. So it is the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. It is the account of Jonah and the great fish, Jonah and the whale, because that's real. You say, well, that's a little far-fetched, but it's still real <laughs> because it's the Word of God. But with that being said, uh, as we read the accounts here in the Word of God of the various wars and the various happenings and the people's lives, it's still all lined up from Genesis to the cross and from the cross to Revelation. It's all lined up. So, again, God knew. God knows it all. So, as viewed by man, there are many aspects of the divine counsel, but it is only because the council covers a multitude of things which are in reality but in infinitesimal parts of an infinite whole and embraces not only effects but also causes not only the ends to be secure but also the means needful to secure them. So then the next one, uh, we see the effectual and uh, what's the other one here a minute ago? Anyway. So, plan, so Mr. Henry, whichever Henry it says, plan and purpose as we may, the plans and purposes will turn only to the final end which God has predetermined. We can plan and we can purpose, and he knows my plans, he knows my dreams, he knows what I come up with and what I aim for, but he already knows how it's all going to turn out. Hallelujah. All right, so... So under the counsel of God, we have the plan of God in relation to the universe and men. The plan of God in relation, I knew we would get far. The plan of God in relation to the universe and men. The scriptures reveal a definite design on the part of God concerning the universe and men. Mr. Strong, I don't know if it's the Strong or Strong's Concordance, but Strong says, pre-knowledge implies fixity. And fixity implies decree. From eternity, God foresaw all the events of the universe as fixed and certain. 
Let me read that again. From eternity, God foresaw. I mean, we're talking about eternity past. Not right before creation. Forever ago. God already seen it. And there's where it hurts to think about trying to get to get to understand that. From eternity, God foresaw all the events of the universe as fixed and certain. This fixity and certainty could not have had its ground either in blind fate or in the variable wills of men, since neither of these had an existence. It, it could have had its ground in nothing outside the divine mind. For in eternity, nothing existed besides the divine mind. But for this fixity, there must have been a cause. If anything in the future was fixed, something must have fixed it. This fixity could have had its ground only in the plan and purpose of God. If God foresaw the future as certain, it must have been because there was something in himself which made it certain. Or, in other words, because he had decreed it. God said, let there be light. And that's when creation began. But God already knew that there was going to be a new heaven and a new earth one of these days. <laughs> And God already knew all the, the new, a new, uh, the 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 heavenly city coming down, New Jerusalem coming down. God already knew all. before He said, "God said, let there be light." Yes, sir. It's strange to me, like the the reason that people can't understand that is they try to figure God out. Yes, sir. And when you try to figure God out, you see that it's part of <laughs> no, it wasn't in here necessarily, but I can. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, it may run that reference here, but. No, 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 I don't, not yet. Acts 2.22. All right. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding, holding of it. All right, so. Determinant counsel. Determinant There it is. That's right. Right. And you're a murderer. That's right. And that's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right. Let's see here. Tell
So there's Mr. Strong. So the meaning of, and we'll just end probably right here, and then we'll get to the scriptural facts, and we'll rehearse the meaning of it next week, and then go into the scriptural facts of it. All right, so the meaning of the plan of God in relation to the universe. By the plan of God, that's, quote, that's in quotes, the plan of God, quote unquote, is meant that predetermined arrangements by which he renders certain all things pertaining to the universe in time and eternity. This plan comprehends all things that ever were or will be in their causes, conditions, successions, and relations and determines their certain realization. And again, I've kind of touched on it, and we're going to finish reading, and this is where I got it from. The plan of God includes both the efficacious, so having the effects, working effectually, okay? Uh, So the, the plan of God includes both the efficacious and the permissive aspects of God's will. So he works in effects by his doings or the permissive aspects he allows us to do, but he knows how it's going to work around. (laughs) All things are included in God's plan, but some things, here it is, he causes and others he permits. In the efficacious aspect of God's plan, we include those events which he has determined to affect through secondary causes or by his own immediate agency. When God said, I will raise up the hornets <laughs> to drive out this people, that's something that he did. You know, Pharaoh hardened his heart, hardened his heart, whatever. And so that was something that Pharaoh did, but then he says, I am, it's something that God did, I'm going to harden his heart. And when, and when I do, then this is what he's going to do, and this is what you as a people is going to do. He already knew all that. But there were certain things that he did as God. All right, so that's efficacious. Uh, okay, let me see where I was. In efficacious aspect of God, I'll read it again. Aspect of God's plan, we include those events which he has determined to affect through secondary causes or by his own immediate agency. In the permissive aspect of God's plan, we include those events which he has determined to allow independent agents to affect. That independent free agents. So that's permissive. You know, permissive, you know, he... Uh, of course... I can't do that way. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Because he's, he's permitting it. That's right. That's right. He per- right. He permits it, and then he also knows, but he knows how it's all going to wind up. We don't understand. He permits men to do certain things and go certain places and, and so on and so forth, uh, which will affect other men. You know, where no man uh, liveth to himself, no man dieth to himself. But he knows how that my life is going to touch your life and our lives are going to touch other people's lives out there. He knows that all how it's going to wind up. We don't. We're, again, we're just to go and do what he's told us to do and Leave the rest up to him. 
And there's where people get off. Is, you know, I mean, there was a man that I know. I'm trying to think if I was in his house. No, not his house. That's what I'm thinking. There was another fellow that come. There was a couple of men I'm getting mixed up. One was Bagley, and it wasn't Bagley, but uh, there was another man. I can't remember his name. But he come down for for a while. He was Calvinistic. They don't last long. They just blow in, and they sit there, and then they leave. And anyway, this fellow went on up to another church that I knew of up in Indiana, and, and, and literally, and of course, anyway, another aspect of that story. I won't go in. But he was, so so he's he's standing, he's probably standing, his wife and his son is sitting on the bench, and the pastor is standing there. And 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 in, in there, you know, he just basically told the pastor that his wife and son are predestined to go to hell. There wasn't nothing they can do about it. You know, and so he, are, how does he, you know, and then what does that do to this wife and son? Right. You know, and in and, and his mind, he's already given them no hope. And um, just that there's people that's out there like that, you know, again, that's really a sad, and I forget how the the pastor handled that, but uh, the preacher that I'm talking about, I'd like to talk to him again about it if he can recall that, but but I think about that often. He he was telling me that part, and the rest of us just couldn't couldn't believe it because we had all met the man, but uh, it was just really, really messed up. So... uh, well, let's see. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. That was the meaning of it. So here's the scriptural fact. Isaiah, and we'll hit this, these these verses of scripture. Isaiah 40. The scriptural fact of his plan the plan of God, if you want to put it this way. Uh, Isaiah 40, verses 13 and 14. There's a question here. Who, I'm sorry, with whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Uh, back up. I say 13, so let's look at 13. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Who? Like you said, you asked yourself the question. And obviously, people did ask themselves the question. And and there was lots of questions along this line of thought in the book of Job. (laughs) When when God was saying to Job, you know... (laughs) About himself and that discourse that he had with his Job, with Job there. But, uh, and then see further Ephesians 1. We're almost done. Ephesians 1, 5, 9, and 11. Let's go back up to 4. Well, 3. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us all with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him 
in love. That was and in verse having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Christ Jesus to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. <laughs> verse let's just go read but key key in on 9 and 11 when we get there. To the, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. In, yeah, there we are again. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Nine, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. <laughs> that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in, on earth, even in him, verse number 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Amen. And that's what... And that's what getting a hold of this will do. It causes us to praise. Romans 11, 32, 36, 33 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be re recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's exactly because us praise him and glorify him in all that when we get a hold of all. Yes, sir.
Right. 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 Though we think it was him, and you know, Jesse McClanahan's been up there with the fine air in 15 minutes, and he's selling books about it, you know? <laughs> the devil don't care what you believe, just so you don't repent. Yeah. That's right. Right. But Paul said he heard unspeakable things. Oh, yeah. Right, and we see in John seventeen. We see, yeah, oh yeah, and you see in John seventeen when when Christ, you know, people say, "Oh, the Lord's prayer, the Lord is my no." That was the model prayer. The Lord's prayer is in John seventeen when He's talking to God the Father, and and He talked about those that God had given Him. <laughs> Again. Who is that? It's the ones that, again, is through on the other side of Christ, on the other side, you know, of salvation in Christ Jesus, and and so I appreciate that. And then, of course, the, the last statement here: the plan of God is based upon His sovereignty, and is the expression of the good pleasure of His will. And then we'll see the scope of it next time. <laughs> so, whew, I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. Just, Right. And we are chosen, but we're in Christ. Right. I mean, the Bible, for me, it's trying to reach out to say, you get in Christ and you're chosen. Right. You stay out of Christ and you ain't. Right. Yeah, like Brother Mitchell, you know, when he's fishing. <laughs> I'm out fishing for whosoever will may come. <laughs> That's right. I'm not fishing for a fish. That's exactly right. But they, he said, but then they get on my hook and I put them in the boat and now they're elected. <laughs> they're predestinated. That's exactly right. Predetermined to go to my frying pan. That's exactly right. So so anyway, but I, I appreciate it. Well, he put things, and like I said, I, I, I enjoy mute. And again, we can learn and we can, we can, uh, we can take it and we can, and muse upon it, dwell upon it, look into it, even. 